This is one of those nights where you might want to get your marshmallows and your sticks ready because if the Toronto Maple Leafs lose to the Florida Panthers this evening, automatically, automatically, right away, no exception, the Toronto Maple Leafs go to the front of the line in the most interesting team to watch file. I know we talked a lot about, you know, before the season was over, oh, you know, the Capitals will be interesting in the offseason. Uh, curious what the Pittsburgh Penguins do here, and maybe there's a Toronto tie-in there. Oh, look what's happened to the Winnipeg Jets. That is going to be a summer of chaos. If the Toronto Maple Leafs go and lose tonight to the Florida Panthers, and there's still one way that it could be worse, by the way, more on that in a couple of moments, but if the Maple Leafs lose tonight against the Florida Panthers and get swept by the Florida Panthers, we will see chaos in Toronto, the likes of which we haven't seen in quite some time. And by chaos, I mean carnage. And by carnage, I mean decisions on who's staying and who's going. And when it comes to the players, down 3 nothing right now at the hands of the Florida Panthers, and a lot of them, specifically Mitch Marner, sounding quite defiant and a little bit angry and some might say petulant about the situation that uh, they find themselves in. This is one of those moments This is one of those games where you're going to find out everything you need to know about every single one of those players. Who wants to stay and who wants to go? Who can do this? Who's built for this? Who wants to do this? And who doesn't? And who just wants to... As someone told me, as someone texted me last night... Skate through 82 games of ice capades with hockey sticks and then vanish when the quote-unquote real season begins. It's going to be a fascinating one tonight. And you know the, the, the Florida Panthers are, are right into this and Paul Maurice is right into this. And they feel like they're just in a position where every couple of shifts they're going to tighten and they're going to squeeze and the Maple Leafs are going to squirm because that's the way it's been for three games. Let's see the response. Now, there's only one way. Like if the Maple Leafs go out tonight, that's going to be bad. Um, That's going to be real bad. There's only one way I figure that it would be worse, and that is if the Maple Leafs go out on Friday. If the Maple Leafs win tonight, and bring it back to Toronto and then lose on home ice in front of all their fans, in front of all the decision makers, with all that negative emotion raining down on the team. That is the way I think you make it worse. Leafs losing in five is actually worse than the Leafs losing in four. And we'll see what happens. Fascinating game tonight. Edmonton Oilers on the uh, uh, on the docket this evening as well. I'll face off against the Vegas Golden Knights, a team that had their way with them a couple of nights ago, specifically five on five. And we'll talk to Elliot about both the uh, both the Canadian teams still in action in the playoffs here in a couple of moments. Um, but a couple of things really quickly um, from last night: the Carolina Hurricanes. What was it? Four goals in five minutes. Think about the Carolina Hurricanes is, and you know now they have the New Jersey Devils. You know, peering over the cliff as the season almost over. It certainly feels that way, considering how Carolina is playing. By the way, without Pacioretty, Svechnikov, Taravainen, and they're still putting up six spots regularly. This team is a machine right now. Really smart front office. 
a really smart uh, analytics group led by Eric Tulski, uh, an old-school work-hard coach uh, who uses old-school work-hard tactics blended with, um, with new-school analytic reasoning behind a lot of the decisions. Carolina Hurricanes um, showed the New Jersey Devils what it was like to play in the playoffs. And the thing about New Jersey is they don't do things quickly. They do things suddenly. And they end a game like that. Suddenly, boom, four goals in five minutes. And the whole thing is over. And now there are question marks up and down the New Jersey Devils roster for what is going to be the first of what the Devils hope is going to be many elimination games here. But uh, it doesn't look good for New Jersey. Uh, We'll see what happens in the next game. The Dallas Stars, meanwhile, uh, they stave off elimination uh, by by beating the Seattle Kraken yesterday. Um, Front and center for a lot of people, Max Domi with two goals and one assist. Miro Haskinen, by the way, plays over 30 minutes. So if you're watching this on television, every time you looked up and you looked at the screen, you saw Haskinen and you said to yourself, man, is this guy playing like half the game or something? He was. He's great. Stars are even. Now, that's the best two out of three. Elliot Friedman on the other side. Let's get going here. This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network. I want to start with this conversation with Elliot. Actually, not about the Maple Leafs, not about last night, not about the Oilers, but about the Anaheim Ducks. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts in Hockey Night in Canada. Good afternoon slash good morning, depending on where people are listening slash watching. How are you? I'm good. How are you doing, Jeff? I'm doing very well. I was very happy to see something yesterday. I know that we talked a lot about, uh, uh, well, we saw lottery night and Chicago ends up with uh, the first overall pick and they'll take Connor Bedard. And we said, shucks, there it is again. The Anaheim Ducks are the bridesmaids once again. Lost out on Sidney Crosby 2005, lose out on Connor Bedard 2023. Um, But then... Yesterday, something really exceptional happened for the Anaheim Ducks, something that has never happened before. Do you know what it is? Yes, because I retweeted the tweet that they have the top defensemen in all three junior leagues. Olin Zellweger, Pavel Minchikov, and Tristan Leneau. Leneau with Gatineau, Minchikov with 67s, and Zellweger with the Kamloops Blazers. Like, the one team, like there, and maybe Columbus is in this category too, you know, there are a couple of teams in the lottery that you said, it would be really nice if Columbus got Bedard because they've been looking for that legit first-line center going back to the, the Doug McLean expansion era. It yep. would be really great if the Anaheim Ducks were finally rewarded um, and, and got their first overall draft pick and their franchise player. But both Columbus and most specifically Anaheim have done such a great job drafting and developing. If there are a couple of teams where the blow would be cushioned because of the development and drafting that they've done, the scouts are fantastic with both organizations. It's probably yep. those two teams. And I was really happy to see the Anaheim Ducks able to put that press release out yesterday. Zellweger, Minchikoff, and Leno, uh, all three CHL leagues, the Western League, the Ontario League, and the Quebec League, they have the top defensemen in each. So there will be an Anaheim Duck prospect who wins the CHL Defenseman of the Year. I just wanted to start on a positive value. Is that so wrong? Yes, it is. In this day and age, Jeff, there is no room for positivity in life. (laughs) You are not allowed to leave your basement the rest of the day. You have to stay there forever. Well, you know what? The funny thing about that is, 
It was talking to your wife, yeah. Yep. The be- the best thing about that yeah. is is that the, the funny thing is whoever interviews for the Ducks co- job, they're going to be asking Pad for Beak, yeah, how soon do you think those kids are going to be ready? <laughs> well, you know what? There is an expectation that, you know, I think Pavel Minchikov might be the closest. Maybe, you know although there is a me. lot of speculation that Olin Zellweger may get there. I, I don't want to turn this the, the, the beginning of the show here with all this playoff stuff into into prospect talk, but there are a couple that are ready to walk in here and join, you know, young defensemen like Jamie Drysdale and uh, on that uh, really good young Anaheim Ducks defense. Okay, so that's the positivity. Now, the negativity, the clouds roll in, uh, storm clouds are, are gathering, and we're hearing the thunder off faintly in the distance. Um, is there any way, shape, or form... Like, hyperbole is such an interesting thing in sports. Like, it's, it's this extreme exaggeration you make about an event, right? Is mm-hmm. there any way, actually, to be hyperbolic about what would happen to the Toronto Maple Leafs if they lose tonight? Like, is there any way that you can, like, that, that, that the piling on would be excessive? Or is all of it legitimate? I'm not a big pile-on guy, as you know, Jeff. I, I don't like it. I, I've been on the receiving end of it. I, I really try to avoid it. I just don't see how you're going to be able to get away from it from the general public if this mm-hmm. happens. You know, everybody's going to have an opinion, and many of them will be legitimate opinions, but they're all going to be coming at once. And it's, it's going to be enormous. Like, you know, you, you, you could see it yesterday with what Marner had to say. These guys aren't stupid. Oh they, they know they know what's going on. They 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 know what's going on out there, and like they're in the same level of shock that we are, and I think the fans are. Like I don't I don't think there's anybody who's not connected to the Toronto Maple Leafs in some way, whether you're a member of the organization, whether you're a player on the team, whether you're in media or you're a fan of the team, who isn't in shock about how things have gone over the last uh, 10 days. Like, it's just, it's just not possible. Even the people who hated the Maple Leafs the most didn't even see this coming. Like, nobody did. And if you did, you're lying, and I would expect to see your $300 million lottery ticket. So, like, if it, if it ends tonight... <laughs> There is going to be an explosion of rage from the people who love the team and glee from the people who connect, who hate the team. Like, I believe the combined energy from all these social media posts being sent if this happens tonight <laughs> will be enough to power the earth for the next 3,000 years. So, you know, like, Jeff, there's, there's no way like, uh, to avoid it. None. This is the uh, the Elliot Friedman Toronto Maple Leafs Green Initiative here. Harness the power yes. of both uh, of both uh, love, disappointment, and an absolute hatred of a hockey team. This is this is your this is your green plan, sir. Heading into an election, I think it's actually Elon's green plan. Like you know, first he created the Tesla, and now he can do this. He can power the earth <laughs> right. through Twitter rage uh, tweets. Uh, you know, like like it's Jeff, awesome. like it, it's going to be impossible. It, it, it's going to be impossible to get away from. Like there's and. And like, like I said, with what Marner said yesterday, like they know it. They, they know what's going on out there. They know how everybody feels. Like, you know, he's a guy we've talked a lot about this year. He's a Toronto guy. He, he lives here. His family's here. He's got lots of connections uh, to here. Yeah, charity here. He, he's very charitable. 
He had like I yep. think the turnaround to his season this year, and he had he was the, the Maple Leafs regular season MVP this year. And remember, he had one kind of blowout early in the year where he kind of said, "Screw everyone," and it was the best thing that ever happened to him. But uh, I, I think, like, mm-hmm. I think in some moments, my biggest concern for him has been that he listens to this stuff too much. And I thought this year he took a really big step. But, you know, this is so big and so enormous, it's impossible to escape it for him and everyone else. And the only thing that matters for them is they channel all of this energy into the right thing, which is, you know, making sure the Florida Panthers have the, the roughest possible ride tonight in this game. Do you think it's too much? Do you think it's legitimate? Do you think it's fair to say that this game, this one singular game, regardless of entire body of work, is an accurate snapshot or accurate audit of all these players? This is the everything's on the line here game for all of these guys, and they know what the stakes are if they lose, and even if they win, there's you know s- still more games like this on the horizon. Do you? And, and I, I hate using the word fair because I always tell my kids like you know just 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 take a sharpie and, and blacken that out of your dictionary because it's you know, believing the word fair exists is going to set you up for a life of disappointment. But do do you think it's right that there's so much being put into this one game, like the worth of all these players in Toronto? is being placed on one singular game. Jeff, that's life, okay? Like, it just is. Like, we are judged on our results. Like, people talk about trust the process, trust the process, trust the process. That's all good, mm-hmm. but we are judged on the results. Okay, I know you've seen this movie. Maybe people out there, if you haven't seen this movie, go check out this scene. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Have you seen it, Jeff? Coffee's for closers. Coffee's for closers. Put the coffee that's down. Not, that's, Second that's, prize is steak knives. That's the one. <laughs> that's the one. He says, first prize. I can't remember what the first prize was. It was something big. I think it's a new uh, car. I think it's yeah, a new Rolls car. Royce or something like that. I can't remember. First prize, yeah. a new car. Second prize, steak knives. Third prize, you're fired. Nope. Okay, like Jeff, 75% of the Toronto Maple Leafs are owned by telecoms. We work for a telecom. We know how the telecom is. Like, that's just the, like, and in sports, that's the way it is. You can have a great process, but you have to have results. And if they lose tonight, you could say, oh, it's just one game. You can't, you know, you can't judges on one game it's it's the whole big picture and i'll tell you this like i think there's a lot of things over the last few years the toronto maple Leafs have done really right and really well i think they've made a lot of good decisions every team makes bad decisions i think they've made a lot of good decisions but it's like you reach a point where you have to show results from the decision and i thought this was over last week i really did and i know i'm not alone i mm. thought it was over but now look where we are, and everybody's like, I, th- I think that's what does it is the shock. Like, if it was a hard seven game series, I think people would have said, eh, it happens. I think it's the shock of the way it's going. Right. I don't disagree. And um, I find it intriguing that uh, you choose David Mamet to write this script. Um, as you I love did his stuff. Gary Glenn Ross, one of the. 
His, he's just he's just the, the most fantastic writer, absolutely. Um, a great screenplay writer. Um, go okay, watch so let, that let's scene. Park the Maple Leaf conversation. Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross. Go watch that. Third place. Go watch you the are whole fired. movie. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Command performance by Alec Baldwin. And although you know what made the scene great is Jack Lemmon's uh, Jack Lemmon's reactions. Like as yeah. great as Baldwin is. The reactions of the veteran Jack Lemmon. Yeah, really incredible cast. So anyhow, incredible cast. When one day, Elliot, one day, Elliot and I are going to do a movie podcast. We shall see. <laughs> okay, um, Edmonton Oilers tonight. Uh, we know about the issues five on five. Those were front and center. How much of uh, because we saw this season with Jay Woodcroft at a number of different times. How much um, lines in a blender do you expect tonight for the Edmonton Oilers as they try to, you know, find lightning in a bottle here, spread things out a little bit? We know what's going to happen with the power play, but listen, as we talked about on the podcast that just came out about an hour ago, uh, you can't just play 50-50 hockey in the playoffs and hope that you get enough power plays to make uh, to make it count. First of all, thank you to Gonzo underscore Nuxman who tweeted at me. It's a Rolex that's the first prize, the watch. Thank you. Ah, okay, I thought hey, it was a not Rolls Royce, Rolex. Close enough. I'm giving myself fifty <laughs> percent. Yeah, you know. I, what was I that gentleman? What was that gentleman's name, uh, Elliot? Gonzo underscore Kadak. That's the guy who, uh, or I don't know, maybe it's a female. That's the person who sent me the the note. Gotcha. Um, uh, but uh, you know, I, I think this that uh, that you have to try everything. Like, like the one thing you have to see tonight from Toronto and everybody involved is, is that no, like no effort can be left on the bench. No idea can be discarded. It's like when you first start brainstorming something, they always tell you no idea is too stupid. Like you just throw everything out there and you go with it. And I think that's what you have to do tonight. Um, you know, Harry Neal used to always tell me that, Scotty Bowman's teams were always the best in the first 10 minutes of every game because those players knew if they weren't good in the first 10 minutes, Bowman was like, ah, eh, he doesn't have it tonight. He's getting on, he's staying on the bench. Yeah. Like that's kind of the attitude that Keith has to have tonight. Who's going and ride them. Like, you know, one thing I'm going to talk about in the pregame show tonight is I'm going Morgan Riley. Like I, like I know at times they've, they've limited his minutes and things like that. And he hasn't always had the best year, but, like Morgan Riley is a passionate guy who cares a lot about the Toronto Maple Leafs. He's signed here for a long time. Um, he really cares about the organization. Like tonight, I'm going with him. Like I'm taking off the leash and I'm saying, if if I'm going down, I'm going down in a position where I say to Morgan Riley, I need you tonight. I need you to do everything you can. Don't worry about like. Don't worry about things. Just do what you think is best, and then we'll figure out what's going on around you. Like, I, like, because you need that passion, and we all know that Riley has it. So, like, that's the thing I'm kind of doing tonight is I'm saying whatever, whatever I might have thought was the rules, I don't know if I'm, I'm sticking with them, and I'm just going, like, I yeah. talked to you about this the other day. If I'm losing, I'm losing my way if I'm Keith. It'll be fascinating to see how he puts the lineup together. And uh, Oilers, meanwhile, tonight, that's the late game, 10 o'clock Eastern, CBC and Sportsnet. Um, this one's sort of flip-flop dominant games. Like th- th- This has been a, a weird second round here. 
Um, there have been the blowouts. Um, you know, Edmonton looks one way in one game, and then all of a sudden the Vegas Golden Knights look like, you know, that Scotty Bowman team that Harry, that Harry Neal was talking about, the 77 Montreal Canadiens. Uh, what are you looking for specifically tonight, specifically out of Edmonton, who I'm guessing aren't too thrilled about the idea of going down 3-1 to one, heading to Nevada? Oh, now I'm getting texts. It's not a Rolex. It's a Cadillac Eldorado. I I, I gotta say, Jeff, you have great li- you have you have great listeners. You you really do. <laughs> it's a uh, they 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 have exquisite tastes in movies. They like David Mamet scripts and they like Al Pacino flicks. So sorry, Gonzo, you are incorrect. Apparently, it's a Cadillac Eldorado. Okay, Oilers tonight. Uh, Oilers tonight. I think five, like it's, at some point in time in this series, the Oilers really have to start winning five on five, and and that's that. Yeah. Like you know, we all know about their great power play. You're going to have nights where you don't get calls. You better be. Your constant is five on five play. Your five on five play has to be good, and it just has not been good enough for them uh, this series. Uh, you, you know, we talked on the pod, and people can listen to that about defensive deployment. I think also, like, I just think Skinner has been too roller coastery. He, ha- I-, I thought, you know, game two, even though he didn't face a ton of shots, I thought he faced a lot of good chances and was really good. I, I think that that, I-, I think that that has to uh, be more of a teacup ride than a roller coaster, Jeff, when it comes to Skinner in the end. Oh. Um, but that teacup always made me dizzy. I don't know if you want a dizzying performance from your starting net minor, but I think your uh, your, your point is well made nonetheless. Um, I, I would say I would say night, this, Merrick. Uh, I am not astonished that you couldn't handle the teacup ride. I have to say this. <laughs> no man, I was a always a roller coaster dude. I loved it. But you know what? You know what? Uh, the, the the one that I really fell in love with was Drop Zone. I remember the first time. Oh, I, I can't, do that. Like I can't life, do that. I can't do that. My life, my life, cha- my life changed with drop zone. All of a sudden, like psh, roller coasters are oh, psh, boring. Drop zone is where it's at because you really do get that that sense of your own mortality. <laughs> I, <laughs> Both when you're I up used to have, when you're on the on your way down. I used to have a really terrible fear of heights, as you know, and I went parachuting to, to yeah. conquer it. I can't do drop zone yeah. like that one. I, really, I tip eh? my cap. I tip my cap to you. It's the one I can't do. The drop zone, that is that is really not for me. I can jump out of a out of a plane by myself at thirty eight hundred feet, but I can't do yeah. drop zone. You know, last time we were at Wonderland, my uh, my wife said to me, "Yeah, you know what? It's like this. I'd rather be down here wishing I was up there." Than up there wishing I was down here, so I'm just gonna stay on the ground. Thank you very much, uh, which made, made a whole lot of sense. Um, yeah, Dallas Stars pull even with the Seattle Kraken. Yeah, not bad. She's smart. Um, outside of her choice in husbands, she's really intelligent. Um, Dallas Stars pull even with the Seattle Kraken. Uh, listen, Miro Haskinen, 30 minutes plus, no surprise. Can I get your thoughts on on Max Domi? Get your yeah. thoughts on on Max Domi. Two goals and an assist. Um, you know, he's someone that we, I don't mean, I'm around deadline. We talked a lot about Max Domi, but I thought that, you know, outside of Haskinen last night, Ottinger really wasn't tested. So I don't know if I can use that game as any type of audit or barometer, whether he's back or not. But I just thought that Domi was excellent last night. And I don't think I was in the minority on that one. No, I, I thought he was really good. And, you know, Domi has been a real fine for Dallas. It was a, it was a good pick, pick up. Um, didn't get enough attention at the trade deadline for, 
the move and, and how good he's been there. You know, don't forget that when Pavelski came back and he had the four-goal game, it was with Domi as a line mate, which I think says a lot about uh, the ability in Domi, uh, Domi's play. Um, he showed a, a bit of his tie side last night, too, with uh, with uh, with uh, one <laughs> fight there uh, with Vince Dunn. Um, yeah. You know, he, he's he's been he's been really good, and it's going to be really interesting to see where he ends up this summer. Uh, you know, like the one thing now is, yeah. you know, with Chicago, like who is like who's going to be Connor Bedard's landlord slash roommate next year? And you know, I, I don't know if it would be Max or anything like that, but there, you know, Chicago really liked having him there. I have no doubt the way he's played in the playoffs, and especially if Dallas wins this series and continues going. It's only going to increase the amount of teams that are going to be interested in him. But I've always thought, you know, Chicago would potentially want him back. And, you know, the other thing that you have talked about a lot now, Jeff, is now that you have Bedard, I don't think it makes you go any faster because they just have too many holes. But I think what it does is it increases the expectation that you find better players around him. Yeah. Well, okay, so I'm going to do something really, really irresponsible here. But okay. what the heck? I welcome like that. My career. What the heck? Yeah. Well, well, welcome to my career, Elliot. Ever since Monday, there's one person that I've thought of. Because I think we've all wondered, like, okay, so what's Kyle Davidson going to do now? Who's he going to put, you know, around, you know, Connor Bedard to help shepherd him through his rookie season? You know, what, what's the free agent market going to look like this season? You know who I've really thought about a lot? Who's that? In Chicago... Ryan O'Reilly. You know what? I, I got to tell you, I got to tell you, that's not bad. You know, a lot of your, a lot of your Chicago, a lot of your Chicago ideas this off season have been atrocious, like (laughs) objectively terrible, but this one's pretty good. Thank you. Yeah, I know he's got. Listen, I you know, I hate talking about you know players that haven't aren't even done their season, but uh, that that is the one that I keep circling back to because it's, as soon as Chicago wins this thing, so off to cap friendly, have a look at the free agent market, who's a fit with the need and all of it, young kid, veteran who's won the Stanley Cup, responsible, etc., etc., etc. That's the one that I keep settling on. We shall see. Tuck it in your hip pocket, and we'll see what happens coming. It's a good one. First. But until then. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see where it goes. Okay, um, the other one, we'll let you go on, on this one. The uh, the New Jersey Devils. Um, I don't want to say that they're done, but uh, it doesn't look good. And Carolina really showed New Jersey again yesterday. And I know you're going to bring up Jordan Martinook, and he's been fantastic. Um, New Jersey was really shown yesterday that you can't turn your head for a second. You can't take your foot off the gas. For a second, you can't pause to take a breath for a second against this Carolina team that doesn't just do things quickly; they do things suddenly. Elliot, your thoughts on what we saw yesterday? Six to one is the final. Um, I think that uh, I think Carolina has proven consistently that they're one of the most high IQ teams in the league. They know what they have to do to win, particularly since they're shorthanded. And they stick to the plan. Mm -hmm. Everybody has a bad day. Everybody has a bad game. They had theirs on Sunday, but they got back to what they do last night. And, you know, their their defensive core, they really own games. They own games at their blue line. They own games at the other blue line. I think their defenseman had five points last night. 
So they contribute offensively and they own their own blue line defensively. And, uh, you know, like you heard how downcast and disappointed Lindy Ruff was. I think you can blame your own team, but I think you also have to give credit to what the Hurricanes did. Let me ask you about that Lindy Ruff uh, presser as well. Um, I was kind of surprised at the tone. Like they're facing elimination. Normally in a situation like that, you really want to, you know, you know, downplay the things that went wrong, pump your guys up because you're going to need them this next game here. Every game is an elimination game from here on in. I, I was kind of surprised. I don't want to say it was, or was a resigned tone, but at times mm-hmm. it kind of felt that way to me. Were you surprised by Lindy Ruff last night? Uh, I was, but I. But the more you listen to it, I, I think I kind of get it. You know, as I said to you on the pod, I, I kind of wonder if, you know, he, he was confident in the Rangers series. It, it seemed to me that even though they were down 2 nothing, he believed they could come back and win. This is a different animal. You're down 3-1 right now. And, like, Carolina is a much, much more uh, disciplined team than, uh, than – and, 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 uh, like, there's a much more disciplined and on-its-right-axis team than the Rangers was. Like that, like this is a different animal. This is a bigger challenge, and not just because it's three one. It's opposed to two nothing. It's just who they are and the way they're playing. And rough to me last night just looked like a guy who was like, "Oh man, I don't know if we can do this." And that's you know that's a tough realization. And plus, they, they, you know, what, Jeff, they've had they've had such a special season. You don't want to see it end, right? Yeah. It's been fun, and yeah. we have you know like. We've seen we've seen players emerge before, like okay, plant the flag here they are. They've arrived the legitimate NHLers, but we saw the emergence this year. I mean, it sounds like I'm already wrapping up the series, but we saw the emergence of a superstar. Mm-hmm. Like this was the year that Jack Hughes said, "Not only am I here, uh, not only were the New Jersey Devils right to pick me first overall, but I am now a bona fide superstar in this league." It doesn't happen every season. It's a special year. The winning streak to kick it off, the ups and downs with Lindy Ruff and the fans in New Jersey. It's been a wild one. Um, yeah. End on, end on this one. I just got a, a text quickly here uh, from a scout friend of mine who says, in listening to the conversation about playing with Connor Bedard, he says, the perfect guy to play with Bedard is Tyler Bertuzzi. You are welcome. <clears throat> so, so far, we've got a, an ex-St. Louis Blue and an ex-Detroit Red Wing playing in Chicago with Connor Bedard. That's, that's the type of magnet he is. Did you did you thank did you thank your, your scout friend for ending the conversation? <laughs> I have not, but I will once this conversation is over and I go to the stop sets. Thank you, Fridge. Enjoy your afternoon. We'll be watching on the Magic Eyeball tonight. All right, take care, Jeff. Speak to you later. There he is, uh, the star of the A Block here on the program each and every day, Elliot Friedman from Thirty Two Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.